0: Welcome to your Upfront Moment. That I feel, um, I to share with We're building a confidence revolution. Confidence. Greater and inspired and hopeful. Your Upfront Moment. Share, reflect, learn and grow Here to change confidence, not women. Hi friend, welcome to this week's Upfront Moment. This week I am joined by Stephanie Sword-Williams, founder and author of Fuck Being Humble. Steph was named as a Forbes 30 under 30 and the dots 100 women changing the creative industry. She is a trailblazer and a change maker, using storytelling as a force for good. After seven years working in advertising, she set out to create a challenger brand to disrupt the careers industry and show people the importance of self-advocacy. In 2018, Steph started Fuck Being Humble, a global movement and business, helping people to overcome the fear of self-promotion and be unapologetically proud of their achievements. Since then, she's written her debut book, Fuck Being Humble, Why Self-Promotion Isn't a Dirty Word, and she's delivered a TEDx talk on why the world needs to be a little less humble. As you can imagine, Steph and I have lots in common. We covered lots of ground, We share so much passion for similar themes around self-promotion, visibility, confidence and really connecting with your ambition and self-worth. I hope you love this conversation with the one and only Stephanie Sword-Williams. Let's go! Good morning, Steph. Welcome to Upfront Moment. How are things in
1: your world today? They're really good. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really happy to be here.
0: You're very welcome. So we are here to talk all things fuck being humble. And I can't wait to hear more about the story of your business and your journey with confidence. But I'd love to start by you telling
1: us who you are, what is your mission and what is fuck being humble? Sure, so I am a proud feminist, I am a change maker, a storyteller, an entrepreneur, community builder, public speaker, lots of different things that I do and I really love that part about my career and my life that I have created a space where I get to explore and have lots of different titles to my name. I set up my business in 2018. Fuck Being Humble to help people get over the fear of self-promotion and be unapologetically proud of their achievements and since then it's evolved quite a lot and and the reason I think it's probably good for me to give a bit of an update on where it's going is because I've been refreshing my website recently I'm working Mm -hmm. with an external designer we've had to redo all the copy and it's been really interesting reflecting on what does it mean now so for me with Fuck Being Humble my ambition has always been to help people say yes or succeed in those career defining moments Mm -hmm. and that's something that I'm really passionate about so I guess the reason I wanted to talk about the positioning now is because when I say just self-promotion I think people just think posting online or you know speaking up in a meeting or sharing a success But Fuck, Be Humble has grown into such a bigger platform and consultancy. So I deliver talks on things like managing imposter syndrome, self-promotion at work, how to utilize emotional intelligence, how to give and receive feedback, public speaking and presenting, how to make your ideas heard. So there's so many different topics that I cover, but at the core of it is just making sure that you never miss out on an opportunity because you were being too modest So whether that's, oh, I really want to share that idea, but I'm worried I'm not good enough, so I shouldn't do it. Or whether that's, oh, I really want to ask for that money, but I'm worried I'm not worthy of that, so I shouldn't do that. So at the core of it, it's really helping people to find their uniqueness, to celebrate their successes, and to demonstrate their value in the workplace and in their career. Beautiful.
0: And wow, do we need that more than ever, right, for all of us. And what is, obviously, confidence, I think, is the is the part of that story where our worlds and our work overlap. And I'd love to hear from you, like, what does confidence mean to you? Can you tell us a bit about your own confidence journey and maybe where you're at now with your own confidence?
1: Yeah, so obviously I get asked this question all the time of like, what does confidence mean to me? Was I always confidence? What's my journey been like? And I feel like, to summarise the definition for me, it's when I feel my best self doing something and I don't have that doubt or worry pop into my head that I I know that I can absolutely nail this and Uh I'm extremely like sure of myself but not in in an arrogant way just in a very like I'm very comfortable and I'm very ready I think is how I would usually describe my confidence Uh when I take on that challenge I'm about to do and in terms of my own journey I would say I've always been classed as a confident person. So I have always been very chatty. I've always been quite extroverted. I really buzz off meeting people, networking storytelling. I find it hard to say no to events because I'm always like, meet somebody great or I could tell my story or I could, you know, get to find out something completely new. So I definitely am somebody that in those moments like networking, like negotiating, like interviews. Of course, I have, you know, pangs of fear or anxiety at points, but generally it's something that I lean quite into and I've always enjoyed, which is where I've really built up my knowledge and expertise because it does feel sort of like something that I really thrive in those moments. But that's not without saying that, you know, it's not been a journey to that point. So, of course, every job interview I've gone into have not been really confident or every role oh. I've had to develop my confidence. So I would say I, went through school not being hugely academic very creative I came from an academic family so there were always those kind of comments of like we're not sure what you'll do maybe you'll have a chat show which is really funny because I actually hosted a roundtable panel discussion at a summit the other day and it felt like I was having my chat show moment a really nice full circle moment but yeah there was sort of I guess I always and it's definitely something I've had to grapple with as I've gone through my career is not feeling like i was smart enough or clever enough to do some of the things that i've either achieved or i've dreamed about achieving so that's definitely been something that's kind of surfaced in my adult years as something that i've worked through in therapy and i've worked through in my own personal development and my my own self belief and then i think other areas of my confidence where i've definitely had to develop and grow is running a business like anybody mm. ever done it before. I was fortunate enough to work in new business development before I quit my job and started running Fuck Being Humble full-time and that exposure was incredibly vital in my journey and I think it's so much of what people lack in knowledge. So I feel like I even had a bit of a head start but I still have had to learn how to handle the highs and lows, clients not coming through, you know, pitches not always landing. I think the area that I've grown the most is learning to have self-confidence when I don't have teams and support around. And I think that's Mm. definitely one of the hardest things when you're running your own business is not necessarily having the comfort of a team to fall back on or to pick you up when you need that reminder that you've like absolutely got this.
0: Yeah. I feel that. And I think even when you do have a team, that feeling is still there to some extent because it's your job to pick the team up, you know, rather than their job to pick you up. It's one of the big challenges of leadership, I think, is that it's lonely. You know, I think the the kind of stereotype of it's lonely at the top is definitely very true. I wonder, was there a specific fuck being humble moment in your life? You know, you talked about you never want someone to miss out on an opportunity because they were being too modest. Has there been that moment for you that you could share with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, almost all of my work is based on my own lived experiences. And so I think in my personal life, what was uncovered after going to therapy was actually this being humble. It was really funny because my therapist had, we'd been working together on something completely different and eventually mm-hmm she asked me about my upcoming book that was coming out. And I said, it was called Fuck Being Humble. And she said, interesting. Let's talk about that in the next session. And I was like, oh my God, why? What does this mean? And she sort of helped me un- like reflect on it. And And a big part of all of the messaging that's integrated into it is that I say it's for anyone that's ever felt overlooked, undervalued and unappreciated. And when we talked through that, it became apparent that I'd experienced that in both my personal life, and actually my professional career. And that was why I was building this global movement to help everyone else. And that was really the core of it. And it was like this massive spotlight put on me. And I was like, whoa, I hadn't even connected the dots of how much I was so personally affected by what it is that I'm trying to do. So I guess that's, that's really where the momentum and drive comes from is because it is something that is something that I've I've absolutely experienced and I, I think it would be more comfortable to talk about the professional side of things. It's just that feeling really when you've worked your bloody arse off, you have uh-huh. given 10%, you're told you're a high performer, you get dumped loads of work on you, all of these things. You, you get told you're going to get promotions, you get told you're going to get the pay rise, yep, 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 yep. And then literally it comes around to it and they're like, oh, no, 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 you still, you still got so much more to do. And it was quite early on I experienced this and I, I didn't really have the language to call it gaslighting at the time, like build you up, build you up, build you up. And then what would ha- actually happen was that the business I was working for at the time, they didn't have the finances to give me the promotion, give me the pay rise. But rather than doing that transparency and being honest with me or telling me that there was you know a promotion freeze or whatever those things were, they kind of put it back to me like I'd not done enough. And I, I remember going like, almost feeling like I was going crazy because I'd read through all of my previous internal reviews and you know the emails and everything and I was like it's all here in writing and I think because that happened quite early on in my experience I was quite ready to not let that happen again and I guess for context I always very openly talk about this I moved jobs six times in seven years and that very much came from this feeling of I don't want to be overlooked. The minute I see that, it's a red flag and I'm out. Interestingly, every business I left did something similar. And every time I had it in my notice, it was, what can we do to keep you? We'll give you anything you want, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of committed to myself after those first couple of experiences of just being like, no, like, I'm not going to sit around for this and I don't need to. I think we have been told for years, you know, stay in one job. That's how you prove that you're a loyal team member, all of those things. I went on to get a promotion and a pay rise every year. I didn't ever sit around in places where I didn't feel appreciated. But on the flip side, I also really wanted to be challenged and I wanted to be in environments where I felt like I was growing and learning. So there was a combination of both, but it's definitely... All of the experiences that I've had are so present in the content, the talks, the mission, the tone of voice, the name. Right. So like all of it. I think the reason it's resonated with so many people is because I'm not just one of few. I'm one of many. And it's it's not a hard pitch to explain, because as soon as you say Fuck being humble, somebody somewhere is saying God, yeah, I have felt too humble or I've been too modest or I've let myself be conditioned to think that that is the only way. But what if actually I could have spoke up at times and I might have had a different journey. And Where do you
0: think this resistance to self-promotion comes from? What do you
1: think is at the root of that for people? I guess particularly for women. There's so many things. So, you know, like when we look at women... And female characteristics, often we are very good at the soft skills, whether that is listening, empathy, kind of nurturing, supporting. So our roles have very commonly been known to be bringing people up. You know, a lot of middle managers are women because they're all about supporting and they're growing and they're helping And what is really frustrating is that people and businesses don't see the the amazing benefits that women can have at those senior positions. And in in doing so, so many people don't get the development and get to the points that they deserve. The reason I say that is because then we don't see female role models at the top, and then we don't see people self-promoting in a way that we can relate to. And then we don't comfortable self-promoting because the version we think of self-promotion is like Donald Trump and all you think is arrogance and self-indulgent. And so for me, I, I'm always really on the hunt and excited when I see women absolutely killing self-promotion. And I do my best to try and share references and always incorporate women into my talks or examples of when they've done. It. Because actually it is something that I don't think we've had enough training on, enough exposure of it being done well. And sure. particularly in the UK. We are just celebrated for being self-deprecating instead of advocating for ourselves. In the States, it's completely different. I'm about to do a lot of work in America and I'm really excited to see how the message lands because the UK is one of the hardest markets to convince to not be humble. It's very much ingrained in our culture. And I, I read a lot about this in the sense that there's a lot of privilege in being humble because if you can be humble, it means you don't have to go out there and ask and you don't have to go out there and beg and you don't have to go out there and hustle. And so it stems actually from this idea that a lot of our culture our DNA or the way that we've spoken in the UK or where we've had a lot of privileges. Well if you've got things you don't need to talk about, you, you don't have to be entrepreneurial, you're just given it's like inherited wealth. You just get it. So you don't uh-huh. need promoting yourself and putting yourself out there. But I think When you look at other areas of the world where people do have to stand on the streets and sell things or learn how to build relationships with people, it's out of necessity and need and they they have to do it. And I think it's interesting when you observe the different countries around the world. But, you know, it ranges completely as well, because I know in, for example, the Muslim community when I interviewed Nafisa Bakar, who's an incredible trailblazer, she runs Malia.com, I asked her to sit on my panel, Fuck Being Humble, and she said that in her culture, in her community, that being humble is a really admirable quality and it's something that is so ingrained in what they believe. And actually, we had a really good discussion in, in the fact that that is, of course, I also believe that being humble is a great thing. But I don't like to see people miss out because they are being too modest. And it was through that conversation that she thought, oh, that makes total sense. But, you know, it completely varies per culture, per community, per country, race, ethnicity. All of these things really have an an impact on how people view it, even generations as well. You know, I know previous generations to me will think what I'm going out with is just tacky and millennial and quite braggy. But I know that so many people actually really are desperate to have a message like this or desperate to understand how to do it because they do want to outlive the previous mindset of if you work hard, you'll go far because quite frankly, that that isn't serving people Um loads of people work hard and they don't go far. And I think we don't talk enough about the self-promotion side of, yes, it's great to work really hard, but you absolutely need to communicate that and own that narrative if you want to see the results that you want to have in your career. Good work does not speak for itself, unfortunately. And I always think, you know, even though that is
0: infuriating and unfair and very, yeah, it feels like an injustice. You know, it's not fair, but it is reality. And I think it's that thing of, embracing reality but also doing that in a way that can shift that so that for future generations things are not as they are now and we don't have women and people from marginalized communities having to fight so hard to be heard and to have their voice listened to and to have their ideas on the table like what is your advice to someone who wants to let go of this idea of humbleness especially when it's so ingrained in us and i almost refer people to the dictionary definition of humble which means to have a low opinion of yourself and I think as a you know obviously words are complex right and I think how society uses that word isn't always that definition but something that helps me to let go of it is connecting with that definition it's like I don't want to have a low opinion of myself and I don't want anyone else to have a low opinion of themselves like we have to get rid of this Idea, And I think there's also a really specific culture around Scotland, like West Coast of Scotland, where I grew up, you know, the tall poppy syndrome is something that I experienced throughout my schooling, university, building my first business, which, as you shared, you know, I've had my own personal breakthroughs with therapists and coaches to realise that that is at the root of why I built up front and why I'm building it the way that I'm building it because I felt you know I still carry that with me and I'm still on my own journey of having to let go of those voices that are calling me a show off or telling me I'm too big for my boots or you know whatever they say so what's your advice to someone who is all because I think everybody listening will be on that journey you know all at different
1: stages but they'll be listening in because they want to learn so I think first and foremost, one of the things that I recommend when it comes to self-promotion and sort of being less humble is asking yourself what you'd really like to get out of your, your life, your career, you, you know, your ambitions, your dreams and connecting the act of self-promotion to that ambition or that goal. Because when we're just doing it willy nilly and we're kind of like, oh, I'm just going to put this out and see what sticks. The minute somebody puts something passive aggressive or makes a dig or doesn't like it or whatever those things, you immediately go, well, oh, there's no point. I'm just I'm just not going to do that. It's not for me. Oh, I hate self promote. I'd never self-promote. It's not my vibe. And actually, it's because you've not made it so intrinsic to what it is that you want to do. So I don't self-promote because I'm like, oh, this is just one of those habits I love to do every single day. Not because that's not the reason I do it. I do it because I run a business and 90% of my business comes through my self-promotion and my online thought leadership and the free content that I share. Very clear. I generate business. I also do it to build my confidence because, as I mentioned, I don't have a team to reflect on with. I don't have a boss to tell me I'm doing a good job. Mm -hmm. I don't have anybody giving me performance reviews. Sometimes I don't even get testimonials from clients and things like that. So actually being able to reflect on when I've done a good job and building my confidence is as much about helping me grow as it is proving any form of external reputation. And so I think, you know, without doing those things, I might not be doing all the great things that I am doing in my career. So for me personally, I try and connect. Why do I want to be less humble? Because I want to generate more clients because I want to make sure that every time I pitch, I'm confident in myself because I want to be someone that people look up to as stepping out and being a role model and saying something different that goes against the grain. For me personally, when I started Foot Being Humble, I had a massive dream to deliver a TED talk. It's always been on my list. And two years into running Foot Being Humble, I was invited to deliver a TEDx talk. And that for me is like, yeah, another reason why I'm doing this. So I think we need to connect our personal ambitions to the act of self-promotion or the reason why we should be less humble. And also I talk a lot about this in my talks, but there's a brilliant author called Daniel Pink and he's been looking at the power of regrets and that's the title of his book and he talked about the fact that we should use regrets as the blueprint to our future if you've heard me talk recently you'll know that I keep banging on about this but I just think it's such a powerful sentiment where what he's saying is we shouldn't look at regrets and just box them up and go oh hashtag no regrets he said we should really analyze them and we should say what do we not want to repeat again what things do I need to change what things do I need to make sure I don't wake up one day and have loads of regret for seeing the exact same repeated behavior year on year right and I think anybody who wants to be less humble my question to you is when do you regret a time that you were humble and at that moment and what it makes you feel or maybe what you lost out on or maybe what you might be doing if, if you hadn't have been as humble in that moment because I think almost everyone can say I missed out on a pay rise. I missed out on getting that opportunity at work. I missed out on that job interview because I held myself. But there's loads of moments where we've done something where being humble has actually been the issue more likely than the fact that you're being arrogant because that's the other question I get asked all the time It's like if I'm less humble how do I make sure I'm not arrogant I'm like you don't just become arrogant because you're self-promoting like that's something I really like to demystify and just the same way that you do with the definition of humble I give the definition of self-promotion which self is I and promotion is an activity that supports an aim or a goal does not automatically mean you're going to be kicked into being this arrogant awful person to be around right and you're not going to be overbearing and people aren't going to hate you for doing it i think what i see a lot in my network and in my industry is how many people get warm responses saying how nice it was to see them self remote or how nice it is to see somebody do it that they hadn't seen do it before so actually you know one of the things that i recommend is how do you kind of decent yourself and when I was writing, mm-hmm. my huge amounts of imposter syndrome, self doubt, and I know you've got really interesting opinions on imposter syndrome, which I absolutely want to delve into. But I had a lot of self doubt on on doing it. Mm-hmm. But all I said to myself is, "Is one person benefits from this? That's all that matters." And I yeah. like that with self promotion as well. I'm like any other human. If my posts don't get huge engagement or loads of likes, of course I have a little wobble on the sofa, and I'm like, "Oh, maybe I'm not good at my job anymore." But I always have to come back to this statement. If one person watches it, if one person sees it, even if they don't engage it, if one person is affected by this positively, that's all that matters. And I think yeah. that's been a really helpful mindset shift for a lot of things in my careers, but definitely with this aspect of being less humble and embracing self-promotion.
0: And it's also okay if that person is you. Like that's also what I sometimes think about. If I had read this piece five years ago, it would have really, really helped me. Or I'm saying the thing that I wish somebody would say to me right now that nobody's saying to me, so I'm going to say it to the world and hope it helps somebody else. So it's like, I totally agree. Even if it's one person, it's already worth it, and it's okay if that person's you, which sometimes helps me too. And I think that's why when we launched this new season of the podcast, our first guest guest, was Bev Groscock, who of course runs the Fantastic How to Own the Room podcast. And you know, when we were sitting down thinking about dream guests, I was like, you know, I wanna get Viv, I wanna get Stev. It's like other women who are doing this type of work. A, because I just think your work is brilliant and it's so needed and there's room for all of us to do, you know, the problems to be solved and tackled are so big. I also think we don't we don't get a chance to talk about often what it's like to be the women leading these businesses teams programs movements products and I'm it's something that I've been reflecting on a lot the kind of the assumptions I think that people make about a woman who decides to make this work her career and I would just love to hear your thoughts on that you know I think you've shared it on all of our conversation today it's like you are also a human who's on this journey, and you have self doubts and wobbles and moments where your confidence is in crisis, as do I, as does everybody. But I think it's often hard to communicate that in a way that because our social media platforms are so shiny, and then often when you even when you tell the other side, it can sometimes also feel a bit contrived. And I'm, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think I. I'm a motivational speaker. And so there are times where I'm giving talks and sometimes I don't feel that motivated. You know, I I help a lot of people in my life with mental health challenges and that naturally has a knock-on effect. And I remember a very specific moment where I'd got a phone call about something really upsetting. And I quite literally had to walk on stage 30 seconds later and I could feel my eyes tearing up. And I I just literally had to be like, just get through this next hour, you'll be fine. And then you can just out after this. And that was one of those moments where I really realized this can be quite hard. And not necessarily just because it's a motivational, external facing business. Anybody that runs a business where they are the primary person, they do not mm. have it. And there is nobody else to deliver their work. It is just quite a stark reality and, and interestingly it's what influenced me to get health insurance for business and it's something anyone listening I know you'll have a big founder network is please do that I'm yeah. personally not enough to not have been affected by mental health challenges or struggles in my life but I've watched a lot of people around me be affected for various reasons. And it made me realise that if I was to become physically or mentally unwell, it would be it would be difficult. I don't know how I would afford my London rent and I don't know how I would outsource things. And actually doing that and doing things like that where you are sort of future-proofing yourself, you can't always show up to be your best, is something that I think is really important. But what I do also think is a big part of my brand is relatability and honesty, and vulnerability. And I have noticed, interestingly, some of my most engaged posts are when I say I'm struggling, which I can't figure out. I said to my partner, I was like, if I share a success, I definitely get less engagement than if if I start a post saying I cried this week. You know, that's not to say I haven't got an army of amazing cheerleaders, because I do. And I'm so grateful of all the fuck being humble, like fans and hype girls that go out and share the message and movement for me but I'm really proud that five years on after publishing a book after doing some amazing achievements that people do really see me as relatable still and so that's why I guess with my brand and the way that I present myself externally in person and online I will always aim to have a sense of honesty and openness and talk about when Summer business is dry and I've not got any clients, Mm -hmm. or talk about the fact that I lost two jobs last week, which was a big chunk of revenue because of swear word in my brand and it not getting approved at the final stage, even though we'd had three months of discussions around it. I think it's really important to have these discussions because the minute I'm not relatable is when I don't feel proud of my brand or where I've got to. And I guess that's something that is really important. So, I think it is difficult absolutely doing the work that we are doing because I think we're having to kick down some doors, change some perspectives. You know, when I first used to go out there and say, fuck being humble, I had men in particular just look at me like I was on their shoe to the point where I actually stopped saying my business name and instead I just discussed the mission. Mm. And then I remember being like, what am I doing? And now I go out of my way to say it in the first... Two seconds, and if I get a whiff of like not being impressed, I'm like, okay, on to the next one. Or I'll be like, no, let's unpick this and let's see why you feel uncomfortable about this statement. But yeah, I, I think I've definitely my confidence has been knocked whilst building this mission and helping people because I've had people question what I'm doing, I've had passive aggressive comments, I've had people say, look how smug you look when I shared an image of my book. I've absolutely, I get trolled on LinkedIn quite a lot. I lose out on work because I'm putting out a statement to the world that is actually really empowering, but businesses hate the thought of saying a swear word, you know? So there are absolutely things that are, that I think a lot of people in our line of work are facing and are doing to help make sure that future generations can walk through being better equipped and being better informed. And I think, yeah, just like life and real life is, always comes into play I was actually on holiday with my partner and we were talking about this but like we had a lovely evening and then we had like a stupid squabble over like ordering another drink or not and you know when you just sit there and you both like oh I'm just annoyed and there's no reason to be annoyed and he thought so I don't want this during the night And I said it doesn't I guess this is just life though isn't it because you think about going on holiday and how everything's going to be great and how everything's perfect and you're like we're gonna have great weather we're gonna have that and it, it always hits that bit harder when something happens that you wow. don't expect, especially in a moment when you're expecting it to be great and I think it's the same when you're building these amazing missions and movements and careers and things that you know are doing good it always hits that harder when you know the intention is so genuine and it, it, it can be difficult to keep persevering but I think there's there's a real value in being transparent and open to the point where, you know, you're able to keep that emotional connection with the people that you're trying to help. And that, for me, is something I'm always going to strive for so that I don't feel like people say, she's so out of touch.
0: Yeah, I think it's really, I think just how social media platforms are designed just make that very difficult. And also the context of, like I seen this morning, that Holly Willoughby's resigned because of the threats that her and her family are facing you know, Laura Bates, the feminist campaigner and author who's been on that front moment, you know, talked truly really openly about the death threats that her and her family face. And I think it's hard and I don't think there's any easy answer or that, you know, there's a, there's a secret recipe somewhere we've not figured out. But I do think there needs to be more acknowledgement of that there is, there is a lot of complexity and nuance to all people and teams and businesses and missions that sometimes is hard to communicate and also sometimes not appropriate to communicate. But I hear you and I feel the same on the upsides and the positives that come from having such an incredible community of cheerleaders and people who are on your side. And, you know, the messages you get every day to say, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. And it's really helped me. And because of your content, I've just got a promotion. I've got a new job. I've left my shitty boyfriend, you know, whatever the story is. And it's like, yes, those moments make it all feel really worthwhile
1: and I think I mean I love Laura Bates I love the work she does and I guess one of the things that also helps me stay quite grounded with it is surrounding myself with people who are I would say arguably doing harder work putting themselves in situations that I don't know if I'd have the courage to do but I admire the work that they do and I think that also really helps with like just kind of having that moment of I guess everybody's situation, everybody's journey is different, and absolutely no no person should be getting death threats. Nobody should be doing that. But I I guess the example that I'm I'm thinking of in my head is that my sister works in a mental health unit where she left her high-paying insurance job to go work on minimum wage to help people who can't live in society alone because they are so mentally unwell. And she is physically attacked she's verbally abused she was a frontline worker she was the first to get COVID she's such an admirable person and I guess that for me her doing that work you know really inspires me and I know the working conditions that I'm in are much safer and are much less vulnerable in the way that she is so I I guess that's what I mean is that I think it is also really important to not stay in a bubble you know I'm very privileged to do the work that I do and whilst absolutely you can get backlash and all those things uh, I know people that are doing incredibly important work in much less secure environments and and actually they're the sort of people that really power me to keep fighting my message and keep doing my work. So the last question
0: that I ask all our guests is when Upfront achieves its mission of supporting a million women with their confidence How will the world look different from
1: your vantage point, Steph? What a good question. I absolutely love that. I would say... The line that has always stayed present is helping people be unapologetically proud of their achievements. So for me, success will be when people stop apologizing, doing well, or feeling like they need to be like, oh, sorry, like, sorry, if I've been talking about myself too much, or I hope you don't mind me saying this, or, oh, I had this small thing happen and all those things. It's like, it's the apologizing or the, the need to feel like you have to frame the self-promotion you're about to do rather than just it being so natural and it just rolls off your tongue and you can just say I'm really proud I had a really good day today just leaving that there you know and it not making other people feel uncomfortable and it not causing a passive aggressive comment or it not throwing in a debate or you know just all of these things that we face every day for me I would just love to be in a world where yeah we we're really comfortable with hearing people talk about their successes And we're really comfortable with like congratulating them on that as well, because I really loved watching your journey. And particularly when you talked about reaching the million pound target, which was massive and something that I really admired you openly talking about, because again, I don't think people always talk about the wins on that side. And there are definite times where I feel like I need to censor some of the successes I talk about because of the mindset of people around me professionally and personally and I'd like to be in a world where we can do that but I know that kind of that acceptance that other people can do great work and it doesn't need to be a comparison doesn't need to be a reflection of you not doing enough good work doesn't mean that you're not going to get there as well so I I definitely think yeah a world where we don't feel we have to apologize. But similarly, a world where when we do self promote, it's not going to send people into a what is my life spiral? Why am I not doing enough? Why did they get that thing, which I hear and see so much? So, yeah, I think that they're the sorts of things that I would love to walk into rooms and and not feel the presence of. Yeah absolutely
0: and I think particularly your point about that coming from a place of like genuine congratulations and genuine support which is very difficult because that requires being in a place of abundance and our whole society is set up to make us feel and believe the opposite that you know there's not enough for us all and that we need to scramble and scrap and fight you know that's the journey that we're all on so I love the idea I love. Your description of our future world. And thank you for all the work you do and all the efforts you put into the world to help us get there. And thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been really nice to chat. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Upfront Moment. Before I say goodbye, I want to remind you to follow Upfront on Instagram and join the other 5,000 women all over the world who get our weekly newsletter. Go to weareupfront.com to find out more. Bye friend, I'll see you on Monday for your next Upfront Moment.